you just hang out right here like all day? Hmm? You see, some of you came to this place tired, but you're going to leave with the rest that you need. That's better than any eight hours of sleep could ever give to you. Because the Bible says, those of you who are tired, come unto Jesus because he will give you rest. You see, we bring to you this special news bulletin, this breaking report. The Holy Spirit is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you've ever tapped into that kind of freedom, that freedom that caused the chains to fall off of Paul and Silas in that prison cell that night, that freedom that will take your past and rewrite your future, that freedom that is so powerful that when a word is spoken, it comes in the form of a solution, like when the very beginning in all of creation, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, void of... Listen, void. And so the Bible says that, that, that darkness hovered over the surface of the deep and his spirit hovered over the surface of the water and he spoke the solution. He said, let there be light and there was light. Some, Come on, somebody, give him praise. If you know that that light will cause darkness to flee, give him a praise like only you can. I feel like preaching. I also know I need to save some voice for the, for the next service too. I want to do something different though. A lot of times what I do is I give you, we're, we're going we're gonna to get a little radical for a minute. A lot of times I give you the text of my message and then the title. Today, I want to give you the title and then the text. <laughs> We're going to live a little, all right? A couple of weeks ago, a hurricane was coming, and meteorologists were on TV and telling you that this is going to be a storm like no other. Get prepared. So you went to the grocery store, and you bought all kinds of stuff. Well, you tried to buy all kinds of stuff, but somebody had already beaten you there. And all of the aisles and shelves were empty. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know why? Because people believed what they heard. The word from a man on the television who said, you better go and buy something and be prepared for this storm. Why is it that we don't live the same way when it comes to the word of the Lord? Why don't we prepare for what the word has said? Good Lord, have mercy. So, so somebody look at your neighbor and announce to them the title. Take the word for it. Look at your other neighbor and high-five them and say, take the word for it. Team, you were awesome today. Hey, y'all give it up for what God is doing through Seth and Nerva and our team today. Come on. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you be seated, which is unusual as well. Somebody just said, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> but listen, you get to the front of your seat because you won't be seated long. We're going to look at a narrative of scripture today. John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54.
Now, let me just say this. We're going to be all over the place today because I, told, I went up right before I came on stage and told the production team, you just hang with me because we're going to be jumping around. But we're going to read this narrative of Scripture. And as you're turning to John chapter 4, welcome to installment number 3 of this series, More Than a Miracle where we've been looking at the miracles in the Gospel of John, but more than just the miracle. We've been looking at the story behind the miracle. We've been looking at the lesson that Jesus would teach us through the miracle. We've been dissecting the miracles so that we can understand better the message behind the miracle. Let me read to you a part of the narrative, and then we'll pause and we'll do some work in order to... Uh, Establish some direction. It says, after the two days he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had appointed or had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They said they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. Don't read it any further. Just stop right there. It says, once more he visited Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. You remember last week, Jesus was in Cana. Jesus backtracked, if you will, and he comes back to Cana on the way to Capernaum, because Capernaum is his home during his ministry. He's backtracked, and he's come back to Cana. And just several weeks before Cana, his first trip in Cana, he turned the water into wine when he and the 12 disciples pulled an Owen Wilson and a Vince Vaughn, and they crashed the wedding. Mary comes to Jesus with a problem. She says, they're out of wine. That was a major problem in that culture because that was a, a social faux pas. That was a social embarrassment. But also, there was a legal issue to running out of something at a wedding party. You, you were to bring an adequate supply, and if you did not, you could be punished legally. Not only that, but wine was symbolic of joy. So Mary brings the problem that there is a lack of wine, maybe possibly even a lack of joy, to the Savior of the world who gives true joy. Mary comes to Jesus and says there's a problem. There's a lack of something. There's a lack of, uh, of joy. Mary comes to Jesus with the problem because she knows that Jesus is the solution. Jesus, there's a lack of wine. There is no more wine. And so what does Jesus do? He becomes the solution through the spoken word. You remember John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So Jesus turned the water into wine, and that story had begun to circulate all over, and it reached up to Capernaum, where this noble man was at. It fell on his ears. He understood the problem in his life was greater than him, so he came and brought the problem to the Savior at Cana. Let me finish reading. Pick up in verse 46 again, and it says, And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Hold on a second. It seems like the problem has greatly escalated from the very first miracle. The first miracle, the sign of the deity of Christ, was turning the water into wine. This is the second miracle, but there's a lot that's happened in between the first miracle and the second miracle. This is so much greater of a need than water into wine. This is almost death back to life. 
But John does something in his narrative that is quite deliberate. John in his gospel does something different than the other gospels. You see, the gospel of Matthew tells us that Jesus came from from Abraham. The gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus came from Nazareth. The gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus came from Adam. But John's gospel tells us that Jesus came from heaven, demonstrating, Paul, that he is God. And so now the problem is in front of the solution. And now this is the fulfillment or the capitulation of Psalms 18 and Psalms 120 that says that I cried out to the Lord and he heard my cry and now he has answered me. How would Jesus answer? Look at verses 48 and following. It says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you never believe. Verse 49, the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Verse 58, here's his response. Go, your son will live. And then look, you need to underline this because this is the, where our title is derived from. It says, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. <laughs> Circle that in your Bible. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. The man took the word from the word and he departed. The man took the word and believed the word and applied it to his situation. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, take the word for it. Somebody look at your other neighbor and say, take the word for it. You see, what God is showing us through this narrative of Scripture is that we must take the Word and apply it to every situation in our lives. You may find yourself in need, but you've got to take the Word for it and say, my God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. You may find yourself sick, but you've got to apply the Word. Take the Word for it and say that my God is a God who heals. By His stripes we are healed. You may feel like somebody has done you wrong, but you've got to take the Word for it and say, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose you may you may feel depressed but you've got to take the word for it that his joy is unspeakable and full of glory lord have mercy somebody say take the word for it i need to pause my preach so that i can teach carmen so thank you we need to fully understand this narrative of scripture the context because there's so much happening so much happening in this narrative historically, theologically, even geographically. There's so much happening. In fact, what John does in his gospel in verses 43 through 45, and really the preceding chapters, John's priority is on the authority of Jesus Christ. He is, he is outlining, describing for us the authority of Jesus Christ, while at the same time showing us some of the cultural issues that were taking place around Jesus in his day. In fact, if you remember, we read in a couple of those verses, verse 43, 44, somewhere in there, it says that even Jesus recognized that a prophet is not welcome in his own hometown. He's not honored in his own town. The reason for that is because people would see Jesus and they knew who Jesus was and they were like, oh, that's JC, he's my homie. What up, Jesus? Hey, hold on a second. Aren't you the son of a carpenter? Aren't you Mary's boy? But 
I was reading and studying on this, and I ran across something that a theologian wrote, someone who's much smarter than I. I, I want to share with you what he wrote. He wrote this. He said, quite possibly the people of Galilee felt so familiar with Jesus that they did not honor him the way that they should have. But hold on a second, because he, he adds this caveat. But by this, we recognize that they really were not familiar with Jesus because if they were, they would have honored him all the more. What they had was a false familiarity with Jesus. They knew all about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. That was a cultural issue. But Michael, the more that I thought about that, that was just not a cultural issue 2,000 years ago. It's also a cultural issue today. I mean, we know all about Jesus, but do we really know Jesus? We know all about, we know that Jesus and his word is supreme, but we don't live in such a way that his word brings us any value. We know that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, but yet we live in fear. We know that his word says, forsake not assembling together with other believers, but yet we find every excuse not to be at church on Sunday. We know what his word says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not upon your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But yet we tend to define our paths and we ask God to bless them. Mm. Am I preaching? Am I preaching? You see, there's a false familiarity. There's a false familiarity. We, we, we know all about Jesus, but do we really know Jesus? You see, what I need you to understand is there was something that caused this man to leave Capernaum and go down to Cana. There's going to, at times, be situations and difficulties in your life, and it's going to take more than just the knowledge of Jesus. It's going to take more than a bumper sticker on your car. It's going to take more than a necklace, a cross around your neck. It's going to take you knowing the Most High God when you find yourself in that place. It's going to take you knowing that in the beginning, <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy, the Word was with God the word was God you've got to remember all of that but not only that you have to remember that all things were created by him and everything that was created was created by him and nothing that was created was created without him Lord have mercy so you're going to find yourself in a place during your life where you're going to need the mighty outstretched arm the mighty hand of God to deliver you do we have anybody in this place who knows that Jesus So what does John do? What, what, is, what does John do? John tries to draw our attention, the reader's attention to the authority of Jesus Christ. But authority is illustrated. It is not explained. Grab that. Authority is illustrated. It is not explained. If a person is constantly telling you that they are in charge, then they've lost, lost control. Jesus didn't walk through the street saying, I have all authority. You're going to be listening to what I say. I have all the authority. Did you hear me? He didn't do that. How many of you know when you were living at home and you got in trouble and your dad looked at you when you got in trouble and you knew what that look looked like? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Why? Because he had all the authority. Jesus didn't have to walk through the streets, you know, trying to prove that he had all of the authority. His authority was proven by how he lived his life. <laughs> his authority was not proven through, well, let me say it this way. His authority was not illustrated through the miraculous. His authority was illustrated through the word. You see, it was not the miracles that brought the word. It was the word that brought the miracles. 
Somebody say, take the word for it. And that's why Jesus said, some of you will never believe unless you see the sign. So in verse 47, this man up in Capernaum, this noble man, comes down to Cana, bringing the problem. The same way Mary. Mary pursued the, the Savior, the problem. Last week in Cana, there's no wine. Now this man is coming to say, my son's at home and he's about to die. He was pursuing the problem. Mm. Pursuing the solution with the problem. Hang on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's some stuff, though, that we're missing. And I, I wrote something down. I, 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 need you, I need you to see this because I don't want you to miss this. You have to dig a little bit deeper to, to fully grab this. The, the man left Capernaum and he went to Cana. That's about 25 miles. 25 miles he, he journeyed from Capernaum to Cana. That's about a day and a half's journey during that day and age. A day and a half. He takes his problem to the solution. Now, here's what you miss if you don't fully understand what's happening. The backstory. Capernaum actually means the place of comfort. The man leaves the place of comfort in order to pursue the comforter. Did you grab that? The man leaves the comfort zone in order to pursue the comforter. The man is willing to take a two-day journey to be uncomfortable in order to be in front of the comforter. The man leaves the place of comfort because he realizes that there's only one true comfort, and that's being in front of Jesus Christ. Some of you understand what I'm talking about because in your life right now, you're trying to change your circle. You're trying to make different decisions, and you can only do that when you begin to pursue Jesus Christ. Here's what I wrote down. I don't even think this is in your notes. There has to be a willingness to leave what is comfortable sometimes in order to reach the comforter. Hmm. We all want the comfort. We just don't want to be uncomfortable in the pursuit. Think about the Israelites. They all wanted the promised land, but when they got into the desert, they were like, let's go back to Egypt. We all want the, the purpose of God, the calling of God, without the storms that accompany that. We all want the blessings of God without the burden of responsibility. We, we all want financial freedom, but yet we will not be uncomfortable enough to plan our finances and make a budget and bring back the tithe to God. We want relational restoration, but to let go of your anger is uncomfortable. We want to grow in our faith, but yet we will not drive across town in an AC, a car that has AC so that we can spend some time with Jesus on Sunday. We all want to come out of our insecurities and overcome our insecurities, but we're not willing to walk from Capernaum to Canaan. Mm. Lord, have mercy. So you've got to understand, I wrote something else down. You see, sometimes it's going to, it takes more than, to experience his comfort, let me say it this way, it takes more than just clapping your hands and shouting on Sunday. Sometimes it takes you leaving Capernaum and walking to Canaan. So sometimes the things that have grown comfortable in our lives are keeping us from the true comforter. 
it's amazing to me how in human nature we can grow comfortable in things that are very uncomfortable. How many of you know what I mean? I mean, it's like the Israelites. They were hanging out in the desert for 40 years because it was very uncomfortable for them to think about the unknown. How do they defeat the giants? We'll hang out with relational difficulties because it's uncomfortable for us to yield forgiveness. Am I preaching? So Jesus said, many of you will not believe unless you see the sign. You know what he was doing? He was rebuking the people that only believed because they saw the sign. He was rebuking the people who did not take his word for it. Hello? In fact, let me give you a side note that kind of builds this thought. In between the first miracle, the water into wine, and the second miracle, this nobleman's son being healed, Jesus was on a preaching crusade. He was traveling through the countryside, if you will, and he was preaching. And then one day he went out of his way and he went to this well. And there was this Samaritan woman at the well in the middle of the day. She went in the middle of the day because she didn't want to run into anyone. He went in the middle of the day because he knew that there was a divine appointment. He was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. And the Samaritans and the Jews had a racial divide that they did not associate with one another. However, Jesus began to speak into her life with his word. She realizes that there was something different about his word. She then drops the water pot that she had to fill up from the well so that she could take it back to the village. And she runs to the village and she brings the people back. And the Bible says that many in the village believe because of his word. Now here's what's unique. In between the first miracle and the second miracle, you have this Samaritan woman. There is a racial divide, a cultural divide between Jesus and this woman. This woman is nameless. In John 4, you have a man who has a title because he is a noble man. What this tells us is that Jesus is for everyone. It's time for the body of Christ to mount up and gather together and take to, take to the needs in this country, in this world, in our nation, in our city, in our county, the love of Christ. We need to get uncomfortable for the cause because the comforter wants to begin to change the lives of people who are around us. It doesn't matter matter where you were born, where you came from, if you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth or no spoon at all. It doesn't matter if you're tall, if you're short, if you're fat, if you're skinny, if you're black, if you're white. We need to rub hands together, put our hands around one another and begin to march to the knee because there are people who are in need. Mm, Lord have mercy. So the man left Capernaum and he went to Canaan. Mm. And Jesus said to him, your son will not die. And the Bible says the man took his word for it and departed. He took his word for it and, and, and he departed. He took his word for it and he departed. Hold on a second because think about this. He took the word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He took the word for his word, and he departed. That same word that would heal the blind man. That same word that would 
give a word into a tomb where a man named Lazarus was and say, come out of that grave and take off the grave clothes. The same word that would look at a blind man and say, you are healed. The same word that would look at the man at the pool of Bethesda when he said, nobody else will help me. And he said, oh, but I will. The same word that said, get up and roll up your mat and go on home because you are healed. You see, we talk about the works of the word. And the reason why we talk about the works of the word is because the word works. Lord have mercy. Sometimes you got to grab this. Sometimes God will not come down. And the reason for that is because he wants us to go up to the word. Lord have mercy. How many word takers do I have in this place? Those who will say, I'm going to take the word for it to my need. Take the word to my marriage. Take the word to my problem. Take the word to my business. Take the word to my kids. Take the word to my situation. Why? Because we can take the word of a meteorologist who says, go and buy all of the supplies that you need because there's a storm coming but we've got to begin to take the word of Christ and apply it to every area of our do I have any word takers in this place the Bible says that the enemy searches for those whom he may devour and so many times we live that we live that we begin to think that we're going to be devoured but you have to remember if you continue to read like I said earlier resist him stand firm in your faith because after you have suffered for a little while the God of all grace will himself restore you do I have any word takers? When are we going to begin to live in the battle and know that we have the victory? When are we going to realize that we're more than a conqueror? When are we going to praise God for the victory even though the victory hasn't happened yet? When are we going to look at the enemy and say, nope, not today. I don't know who this is for, but somebody in this place, good God Almighty, somebody help me preach. I don't know who this is for. But you need to understand that the enemy will extinguish the word in your life and he'll get you to focus on what you're desperate for. He'll get you to focus on the sick boy that's back at home and you'll lose sight of the promise of healing. He'll get you to focus on what's not happening in your life and you'll lose focus of the promise that he can make things happen. So what I got to ask you one more time is do I have any word takers in the house? Anybody who will get up on your feet right now and begin to say, I'll take the word. I'll take the word for it. I'll take the word. I'll take the word to my work. I'll take the word to my marriage. I'll take the word to my kids. I'll take the word. Good Lord have mercy. Somebody say, take the word. Can I have one more minute? Y'all know that's preacher talk, right? Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Let me read you this. Somebody say, take the word. So it says, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. While, now, here's what you need to, you got to read in between the lines. It says, while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. What John is telling us is that, like, he didn't jump back on the horse and say, oh, I better get home, I better get home, I better get home. Like, he didn't believe it. He was taking his time to get home because he took the word for it. And so it says, while he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that the boy was living. Verse 52, watch this. When he acquired or inquired as to the time, when his son got better, they said to him, 
yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Do I have any word takers? Do I have anybody who will take his word and apply it to every area of your life? Do I have anybody that will take his word to your work, take his word to your marriage, take his word to your finances, take it? Good Lord have mercy. How many of you are willing to leave Capernaum and to go down to Cana so that you can experience what God has for you? Then give him a shout of praise up in this place. <laughs> 